Stem podcast. I'm Stefan Griffin, a medical student at the University of Birmingham and a member of the BGSM editorial team. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Dan Exeter, who's a sport and exercise medicine physician at Access Sports Medicine in Auckland and is the medical director for Athletics New Zealand, who's by chance going to Rio this summer. Um, Dan, welcome to the, to the podcast to begin with. Um, so you're one of the many sport and exercise medicine physicians going to Rio. Um, What's your role been in the build-up to the Games? Oh, thanks for having me, uh, Stefan, and thanks for coming out all this way to come and see us. Um, I sort of wear two hats in this role. As you say, I'm Medical Director for Athletics New Zealand, so I have my own small pool of athletes to look out for in the broader preparation for Rio. Uh, but then we do things perhaps a little bit differently to some other countries with how we support our athletes while we're at the Games ourselves. And we don't necessarily take a doctor for all of the individual sports. We take a pool of doctors to cover all the village-based athletes. And then we have one or two other doctors who will work uh, outside the village uh, with the sports that are primarily based away from the village or some of our bigger teams where there might be some bigger need. So we're looking after my, my stable of athletes, getting them ready to go, but also doing some work as part of our wider health team uh, getting some things ready for all the athletes who will be going and representing New Zealand. Okay. Um, one thing that would be great to cover today, because I think it, within the sports and exercise medicine world, injury prevention has had a... Has, there's been a real focus on that within a lot of the Tim Gabbard things on workload. Um, but, you know, off the... Off, off record, we were discussing a little bit about illness prevention, something that's probably not, doesn't quite receive the attention, probably not as sexy as uh, injury prevention. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about how you, you, know, you sort of minimise the risk of illness? Yeah, well, that's a very good point you make. There's some, there's some great data uh, out of Australia, specifically around track and field, where it shows that illness risk actually peaks in the month or so around peak competition. Uh, and you can imagine that's very disheartening for an athlete who's trained very hard, done all the right things, only to get sick uh, before or around it, uh, you know, a major event. And, and those of us, all of us who have studied pretty hard, know how you feel coming up to major exams. It's not unusual to start to feel a bit run down, and it's the same for athletes. So illness prevention is actually a very important thing around peak event. Um, and I think, as you say, because it's not particularly sexy and you don't feel like there's uh, all these wonderful things you can do, it doesn't garner the same attention. But you've got two issues. You've got illness prevention at an individual level, and then, of course, those illnesses are the sort of things that can go through a team very quickly, whether it be uh, a gastroenteritic type illness or whether it be a, um, an upper respiratory type uh, illness where yeah, that can really get through a, a team living in close proximity very quickly. So it's really about doing the simple things very, very well, I think, and that's mainly around, uh, around hygiene. Uh, it's about how you sell that message to your athletes, and we've been doing a lot of work in New Zealand on trying to get a nice, coherent message out there. You've got to be careful, of course, because people want to be in a positive state of mind heading towards the games, and you can't be bombarding them with negative information about the risks of, of illness because... You don't want to engender this negative mindset at such an important time. Uh, but it's still a very, very important thing, and, and I think it's one of those areas where, as I said, doing the simple things very, very well um, makes makes a big difference. And there's some interesting uh, examples out of uh, behavioural psychology and behavioural e economics where we can probably draw on some experience then. So it's a good chance to broaden our horizons in terms of our thinking, um, 
because as, as clinicians uh, and as researchers, I think we're pretty good at uh, looking at evidence and applying things and understanding what we want to do, but we may not have all the expertise in actually delivering that message. Um, and so you have to sort of broaden your views and maybe get some get some advice from different areas that you might not have thought of. Okay. And you mentioned in, at an individual level, so say um, in the very unlikely circumstance that I was an, uh, a new athlete going to Rio, um, you know, going on the plane, what sort of practical measures, um, you know, would you be providing me, you know, to minimise my risk of illness? Yeah, I think you've sold yourself a bit short there, Stefan. Um, look, it's, it all starts with your preparation, uh, and I think most athletes going to Rio or a large component will have a, a pre-camp somewhere and often that pre-camp's been optimised to try and replicate the atmospheric or climactic conditions you'll experience in Rio if they're different from where you're coming from. Uh, it's likely to be in our, in our case anyway where the time zone differences are quite significant. That pre-camp's likely to be much closer to Rio so that you um, don't have so much circadian rhythm disruption. And it's little things. All of us have gone on holiday. Recognise we tend to rush around before we before we go, and a large part of what we perceive as jet lag is actually simple, simply travel fatigue. So it's making sure you're rested well before you depart, that you're well organised, that if you're going to a pre-camp, you've thought about the location of that pre-camp, and then taking that, moving into some on-flight strategies and into some post-flight strategies. So on the plane, uh, very important to stay both hydrated and what I sort of call mucosally hydrated because a large part of what we perceive as dehydration when we travel is actually the drying of our mucous membrane. So there are things like the humidifier which people can use but simple nasal sprays, saline nasal sprays that keep your mucosa moist, chewing gum which makes you obviously produce saliva which keeps your mouth moist and then things like compression stockings and travel garments uh, and things like that. And then when you get off the plane uh, doing the things to try and acclimatise to your new destination uh, in terms of getting out and uh, getting into the sunlight at the most appropriate time because that's our most powerful uh, cue as to as to help adjust our body clocks uh, and things like that. And so that's really just scratching the surface, but it's really that concept of having a, a plan before you go and preparing well and making sure that that's in place before you go. Having some good on-flight strategies uh, and then having a plan once you get there. And a lot of the things we've talked about actually sit across all those three domains. Um, some of the listeners might remember some of the headlines before London where there was, um, I remember the British Olympic Association came into a bit of flack for telling athletes not to shake the hands of other, um, other athletes and things. What sort of practice, is it you know, um, making sure athletes have got you know, hand gels on them at all times? What sort of things do you provide athletes with? Yeah, that's right. Look, I think... I think it is difficult, isn't it? Because um, there's a lot of athlete-to-athlete contact, and uh, you know we do want to encourage people to be to be sociable. But at the same time, it's a it's a competition that comes around every four years. Um, there's lots of things you can do, and I said I think it starts with getting the athletes to understand that the things that lead to illness prevention are an important part of preparation. You wouldn't turn up trackside as as a athlete without your spikes and your other equipment that you warm up with. And it's getting them to understand that washing your hands, making sure that you uh, use appropriate water, whether it be bottled at, at different times, that's in just as important a part of preparation. It's not this subset that has to be uh, 
treated in a particularly different way, and that's some of the messaging. So I think it's getting that thing through first. Some practical stuff, there are a variety of different options. Hand washing is very important. There are some um, specific hand gels that can be useful um, as well. Early recognition of symptoms because it's likely that someone will get sick and you need to, that these athletes need to know that it's important to, um, to recognise those symptoms early and report them early because all the medical teams going to Rio will have plans around how to deal with illness when it arises and I think that's really a when rather than an if for most people. Uh, and then as I said, it's, it's, it's getting that balance right between making things simple and practical but not making this become a negative. And so you can't have an athlete, particularly in a sport like athletics, measured in seconds and, and, and millimetres and centimetres, being preoccupied by the messaging, but yet the messaging has to be important. So it is getting that balance. And I think if you get to the point where you're saying to people, look, don't shake other athletes' hands, perhaps any benefits are being offset by creating a mindset where all they're worried about is getting sick and uh, I'm no sports psychologist but I can't see how that can be a good a good thing for athletes when they're trying to get into a peak headspace to perform. No, that definitely makes sense. Um, and in terms of um, in terms of you know you mentioned how important it is to um, monitor athletes or to if, if they are if they are symptomatic to, to find out early. Do you have any specific measures in place? Do they do a questionnaire every morning or is it just purely a qualitative sort of process? Yeah, again, look, it's, there, there are different ways you can do that. And um, again, you have to be a little bit careful because when you're trying to apply this for a team-based setting, what's an easy thing for an experienced athlete to do becomes information overload for a, for a young athlete. Um, and so that's, again, where knowing your athlete, knowing your team and getting that balance right is really important. Um, personally, I don't use a, uh, an everyday questionnaire in terms of illness. We do we do, do that stuff uh, once or twice a week when we're here back in New Zealand. But again, that's just going to be delivered as part of the messaging. I think in that in games environment, athletes are, are so in tuned to their, their needs that as long as you have the concept of early reporting, um, then uh, then I can't see there being a problem. Maybe a little bit in the team sports where perhaps there's competition for places and, and uh, uh, people might be reluctant to declare their, their symptoms perhaps. Um, that hasn't been my experience. But in the individual sports, um, there's no downside to people declaring that. So often these people recognise their symptoms and they want help. They're not going to sit there and, and say, look, I don't have a problem, because they rec they recognise the impact it has on their performance. Okay. And I suppose one thing um, we can't we can't mention this whole but not mentioning the the Zika virus. Um, I know Roy McIlroy has recently come out and spoken about how he's you know he's concerned about it. Um, it I, I guess you must have had athletes speaking to you. Um, what, what's, what's your advice to athletes regarding Zika? Look, the first thing we've said is just... Make sure you keep and make sure you use us as a resource because um, this is the sort of information that the media gets hold of, and you get a lot of misinformation, uh, and it's misinformation that drives stress and anxiety and worry about things. So the first thing we've done is make sure that we're all really accessible to talk about this with our athletes because uh, it, it's understandably causing a little bit of uh, a little bit of concern. Uh, our medical directors worked 
our medical director for our Olympic teams worked really closely with uh, our local government organisations and, and garnered information from around the world so that we've got really clear information going out to the athletes on a regular basis and as soon as there's, there's any uh, significant update, we're communicating that in, a, in a, an athlete-friendly way out to them, um, trying to minimise medical jargon so that they're informed. We're doing all we can to prevent uh, mosquito bites, and there's a variety of ways you can do that. And, and uh, any listener who's been in any um, subtropical environment understands what that involves. There's not a, not too much uh, new to be gleaned there. And then just making sure that we've got a plan in place for anyone who who does get uh, get bitten and may become symptomatic, um, and also. Uh, making sure we've got a plan for when people come back from Rio and might be wanting further information about what they need to, um, you know, what they need to do. So, again, we've talked a lot about this throughout this podcast, but a lot of the, a lot of the planning is around planning your information and how you're going to deliver that, um, because everything you tell people has to be helpful. Uh, it's got to be clear. You can't be doing anything that's going to detract from peak performance even if you perceive that you you're helping because you're providing information so we've worked really really hard the New Zealand Olympic Committee have got really good uh, communication lines with the athletes uh, and with all the support staff who are going and we're able to tap into that to disseminate the information so that's been um, that's been a really useful way to, to keep people abreast of what's happening. Okay. Well, thanks for answering that question. It's not an easy one to, to answer. So, I think that that's going to close the podcast. Thanks ever so much uh, for joining t- me today. Um, and well, it goes out saying all the best in in Rio. So you've been listening to a BGSM podcast. Um, we will be providing in the description um, to this podcast some links to some epidemiological papers um, for the past few Olympic Games for major tournaments, just in case of interest. Um, but. Hope you've hope you've enjoyed and please um, join us with any suggestions on social media for further podcasts. Have a great day.